Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith to kind of continue our discussion with authenticity. And what we want to look at today is the kind of the, the culmination of the last three podcasts where we looked at truth, beauty, and goodness. And kind of the, the, the culmination in our understanding is that all of these are based in reality. The understanding of these is based in reality. And so what we want to do today is look at this underlining reality. What is this? And there's an entire field of philosophy, and which is why we bring in Dr. Smith, uh, that studies reality, that studies being, uh, particularly metaphysics. And so, Doctor Doctor Smith, why is why is the study of being so important? Why is you know how do we define this? Uh, how do we even begin uh, to look at this? Because I think it's important because this is going to be the foundation for how people have conversations with other people who disagree with them. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to go back to reality. They're going to mm-hmm. have to say, well, kind of you know, this is the way that that this is. This is the nature of this thing. This is the purpose for which it was designed. Uh, right. uh, so maybe, you know, how do, how do we even begin to, to kind of wrap our minds around it so that we can, you know, better explain it to others? Sure. So the field of philosophy that's, uh, relevant here is metaphysics mm-hmm. and, um, you know, metaphysics, as I've warned my students in the past is, is the most difficult, uh, of the philosophical disciplines. It's the most difficult in a way because it's the most abstract. Um, that is we're, we're dealing with, uh, the first principles of reality and of thought at the most general level. So you think of, if you think of philosophy as the love of wisdom and wisdom involves an understanding of first principles and first causes, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That's a classical way of of thinking about it. Then, you know, first causes and first principles, right? So we're looking at the, the foundational sources of uh, both reality and, of thought, um, that's wisdom. Um, in metaphysics, what we're doing is we're looking for the first causes of reality. And that's so that we can understand those things in a deep way, right? When you understand a thing through its cause, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't just, you don't just know that it happens a certain way, but you understand why it happens the way it does. You understand right. why. So. I think that's a huge thing that people skip over quickly they just start talking about things but they don't talk about the cause of the things or they just dismiss it as not important not relevant to the conversation uh Mm -hmm. where in fact what you seem to be saying (laughs) and i know you're not just basing this on you know your own creativity is that the cause really has to do with what the thing is with how the thing presents itself to you now and the nature of the thing itself. So the cause is huge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, you can think about in our learning and our inquiry, we move from just knowing that something is or what Mm -hmm. something is. Those are important things for sure. Yeah. Right. But we eventually want to know why. And, 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 and we can't really answer that question. Why is it so, uh, until we, um, get to the cause, right? That, mm-hmm. That's really, you're, you're bringing to light, you're uncovering, right? The source or origin of actuality there. So in metaphysics, what we're trying to do is understand the deepest, the most universal, the most uh, determinative mm-hmm. causes of reality. 
Now that's ambitious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right? you know, of being itself. You know, all of the other philosophical disciplines, say epistemology, which is the philosophical study of, of knowledge. Well, the philosophical study of knowledge is about the first causes and first principles of knowing. And that's important and that's difficult too. But but you know, you're looking for the first causes and first principles of being, right? Yeah. Th there's nothing more, there's nothing broader. The only thing that's outside of being is nothing. So uh, you know the uh, uh, in a sense, right, this, this is why metaphysics is so difficult, because it's the exploration of, uh, it's an exploration that is the most abstract, the most general, uh, the most universal, uh, and most encompassing. Now, you said outside of being is nothing. Well, I, I could say that it seems to me that, that modern reality is more interested in studying nothing uh, than, than being. So they are, in a way, going beyond, I think, the metaphysical study because they're studying literally nothing. I mean, yeah, this, sure. this kind of, uh, you know, just, and, and I mean that very jokingly, but I mean, the, the foundation of, of philosophy, of, of critical thinking, of uh, how do we know things, like you said, epistemology, mm -hmm. like many of these things, like you don't have to take a, a college course in philosophy to learn just basic principles that that fall into these categories but it seems that we've kind of just thrown thrown a lot of that away and lost have just that 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 rationality when it comes to what a thing is uh what caused the thing and, and i know that even gets into broader questions but primarily you know what a thing is that reality is absolute in that sense mm -hmm that it's it's independent of our uh feelings which we i think we mentioned that in probably every single podcast which is great because <laughs> i do not think that point can be highlighted enough uh yeah. but that the but that the, the world that exists around us has a definitive nature uh, uh and we study that nature and we we look at it and, and metaphysics looks at this in from its existence standpoint and the, the being standpoint now when how do we get into um Maybe defining being. What is that? How do we define that? Because you philosophers well, like your definitions. So. That's right. We do like our definitions, but we also know their limits. And I think, you know, if you want to sort of tie this into what we've talked about before, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that that, um, that beauty and truth and goodness are rooted in being. So we mm -hmm. can say that being is desirable, um, uh, being is beautiful, and being is the ground of truth, right? Mm -hmm. Um you know, ugliness, evil, and falsehood are the opposites, and they are the privation of being, right? They're the, the lack of being in reality. Well, then we can sort of ask ourselves, okay, well, how is it the case, right, that, like, in, in how is it the case that, that goodness is tied into being, that truth is tied into being in the way that we've talked about it? Um, you know, you mentioned a uh, some, some of the proclivities of modern culture with respect to being and metaphysics. Yeah. And I think one thing you could say is, you know, to steal a line from Martin Heidegger, somebody who I don't quote too often, but <laughs> the, uh, um, you know, there's a certain oblivion of being that modern man engages in. We have a hankering after nothingness, yeah. which is strange and perverse. <laughs> um, but the towards nothingness, really, I think a you could really call it a flight from being yeah. um, and reality. Uh, towards the merely ideal, that is the mere, you know, that which is uh, dependent upon human thinking and human feeling. Um, but what we find, part of the reason I think we react that, what, to that is that what we find in reality, we modern man, enlightenment, and this, uh, you know, growing out of enlightenment, finds repulsive. 
Um, and that is that, that being is beautiful and true and good because being is meaningful and purposeful. Mm. Um, that is that reality has embedded within it, right? Um, meaning and purpose that's not up to us. It's not up to a democratic vote. It's not up to, uh, you know, inventing your own life purpose and any of that garbage, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's there and it's real um, and it's irreducible uh, and people don't like that, right? We have that, it's against our will to power to use, to, to evoke Nietzsche here. Now, is that is that kind of what led to the divorce of, you know, truth, beauty, and goodness on one side and reality or, or being on the other side? Was it was it simply, you know, this, you know, extension of, of ourselves from, you know, our fallen state? Was it just, you know, our, like, I guess, like you said from Nietzsche, just the our sheer mm -hmm. will? That we just didn't like it, and so I mean, what yeah. what what kind of are what, what were some of the causes, I guess, of the, the this divorce from being and truth, beauty, and goodness? I mean, historically, I think it's rooted in the Enlightenment, mm -hmm. right? And in the Enlightenment, you have the elevation of human reason above uh, both tradition and revelation, and once those sources uh, were thrown off. Mm -hmm. um, I would say tradition, revelation, also community um, uh, was in, would be an important part. Um, uh, but also just sort of, you know, common sense, you know, <laughs> in a certain way. For Descartes, right, Rene Descartes, right, you, you have to rebuild. Uh, you, you know, he literally says, well, I'm going to get rid of everything. I'm going to reject every belief that can be doubted at all. If you can come up with some reason to doubt it, I'm going to reject it. <laughs> And then I'm going to rebuild everything just on the basis of what is clear and distinct to my mind, right? And so that what happens, right, is that the human mind becomes the measure, right, rather than reality itself. Um, and so I think that move towards making mind, the the human mind, the absolute measure, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Hegel puts it this way, and I think this is a, a good way of putting it. I mean, I don't think Hegel's right about most things, but... Um, but he is insightful sometimes. And that is um, that in the Enlightenment, what, what happens is man wakes up and becomes the subject of history rather than the object. And what he means by saying that is that we become the artificers of reality. We mm -hmm. become the masters of history of, of society rather than thinking that there's a supernatural order, right? Right, right? A metaphysical order that we need to conform to. So almost every ancient society, almost every, uh, um, you know, um, historical society prior to the enlightenment, not every single one, but almost all of them saw, thought that there was a, uh, an order, a hierarchy within reality mm -hmm. and that our job as human beings was to conform to it and that history was really um, took place within that hierarchy of reality. The Enlightenment begins to flip that on its head and says, no, we're the masters. We decide the meaning of history. We decide uh, the meaning of reality. We decide what's the, what's the truth. Now, I don't think that the early Enlightenment philosophers were nihilist, mm -hmm. um, but they did have this kind of extreme rationalism uh, in the sense of the elevation of the human mind over the supernatural over revelation and over tradition that sentiment finds itself just prevalent in our common culture and, sure. and in ways that are kind of i think subtle and like misgiving you know for for example you know i remember i mean just hearing the phrase you know think for yourself 
Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. You know, because <laughs> I'm 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 kind of a blockhead sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I want to I want to think with the church, and I want to think God's thoughts after Him. You know, uh, like I don't want to think for myself. Actually, we we've taken it a step further now, where it's not even not not just think for yourself, but uh, define your being. The the sheer pressure. No wonder we suffer from anxiety because you know sure. you're putting this this immense pressure on people to. Not just, you know, think for themselves, disregarding or at least being skeptical of everything that's ever become before them or any preconceived beliefs, but but also, you know what, just define it, define, come up with your own definition, you know, and right. and then when you don't like that, change it, you know, <laughs> it's madness. It is madness. Uh, and, and just to, to kind of complete the story here, um, <clears throat> not complete it, but just sort of the, the general direction of things, I think all of this idea of the autonomy of man, mm -hmm. the idea of defining reality for yourself, all of that gets ramped up um, and and really uh, accelerated in the late 19th century, mm -hmm. late 19th century German philosophy in particular, flowing out of that into the 20th century. Um, there's, you know, a lot of ideas pushing, pushing the view that, you know, man really is the master, the human will is really the master, there is no permanent being, there is no universal reality, all those sorts of things, right? Uh, and that's really kind of the, the we live with this with the flotsam and jetsam of that um, of that pivot, yeah. right? And um, and so I mean I think there's a spiritual, it's really kind of a spiritual crisis. Oh yeah. Uh, and 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 I think there's a it's it's spiritual and philosophical at the same time, right? I mean what we're living with is a philosophy really forged in hell, in which you know God's order, the meaning of things that God has established, is you know, completely overthrown. Um, you think it was kind of almost, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but I think it's correct. A Luciferian revolt, right? Yeah, absolutely. Against being and against metaphysics. Um, and so we're just living in the, the, you know, the debris of the train wreck, um, of Western civilization, um, and really global culture because Western civilization is so dominant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, you never know, uh, history's funny, uh, <laughs> and it's and often surprising. So Western civilization might find itself not dominant at some point who knows yeah but you you know uh, along with the ideas here writers are, are sort of like the 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 more depraved aspects of of capitalism and greed along with uh some of the problems that you can associate with technology mm -hmm. you bring all that together yeah. right we're in a situation in which reality just is, is like we're like we 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 create reality right sure. it's economic reality social reality you know philosophical reality uh that sort of thing um, that's all, of course, false and deluded. Right? <laughs> yeah. What, what you said earlier, it's a kind of madness. I mean, I think, you know, we wonder why, why is society so screwed up? Why is it so hard to have decent family life for people to get married, to have friendships, all this sort of thing? Well, because we've, you know, we have basically taken a really uh, beautiful and well-working machine. Imagine, you know, like a, a wonderful a uh, well-maintained uh, clock or something like that, right? You know, a car, classic car. I'm a stuff, you know, what? I'm a cla I'm a classic car guy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, beautiful engine, right? And it's been beautifully maintained and everything. And you just, you just take a jackhammer to it, right? <laughs> you just get up on the hood of the car and you just jackhammer. Oh, that right? hurts my heart. That hurts. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? And I mean, one of those eighty-pound jackhammers, <laughs> right? I mean, that's basically what we've done to our, our minds and our reality and uh, our society and our hearts. And, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, barely surprising, right. That yeah. we, 
live in such um, spiritually dead times. There's a interesting article, or I think it was a speech given by Cardinal Ratzinger called uh, "Handing on the Handing on the Faith in an Age of Disbelief," uh, mm-hmm. and, and it, uh, it's in a it's in a book by the same title. Um, and he makes it he makes a similar point there, uh, specifically referring to just kind of the 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 common state of our society, but getting into the those transcendentals that we had talked about. And he says that, you know, we we live in a society today where everything essentially points to man. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like you think about you, you look outside, I see my car, uh, right. you know, even like neighborhoods, you know, even the trees, mm-hmm. the natural things, uh, they're in this like perfect row, perfect order, everything. They were put mm-hmm. there by man. Uh, we live in a in a constant uh, uh, weather pattern of seventy two degrees, you know, thirty percent humidity, and our house, and our car, and our work, like we sure. escape, we escape the weather, we we create all these things, and he's he's saying, you know, this this makes it harder for the human person to see God, uh, mm-hmm. and he's and especially when we begin to lose sight of who the human person is, that that the human person is not made in the image of likeness of God, well then. And we deny, you know, kind of the, the, the natural things, the natural elements. We don't allow ourselves to be affected by any sort of nature. Uh, he just says it's, it's, it's created an environment where it is hard for the human person to, to naturally uh, experience God, you know, in, in being, in the existence. Sure, because yeah. everything around you simply points uh, to man. Right. You know, and I, sure. and I think that's... Uh, hugely important in recognizing um you know our own situations but also the people we talk to that the idea of you know um you know the the common experience of of having to deal with the seasons or uh, and i don't mean like hurricane season or something like that but i mean just the ebbs and flows of 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 you know fall winter spring i mean if you were yeah if you were a farm yeah if you were a farmer in the 18th century you had a, a really clear vision of the fact that you're not in control of everything right right <laughs> you know i mean and and and, uh, and even if you're an artisan right like working with your hands mm-hmm. um carving something right well you learn right well i can manipulate a lot but at the same time, it resists me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it has its own structure and character. And to some degree, I've got to work with that, right? Yeah. And I, the other the other thing I find interesting is, you know, when when we when the modern culture kind of looks at the human person and you know looks at human beings, um, we kind of just say, well, you know, every it's up to everybody to decide what they are, who they are, all these things. But yet we have, you know, we kind of deny, like you had said, this this divine order of things. And yet, on on, on the other hand, we hold up science to this to this almost magical level. You know, the fact that we can have a science book and know these things with some certainty sure. uh, shows that there's order, shows that yeah. there's there's purpose mm-hmm. and meaning. That's right. Yeah. If, if science was really, if, let's see how to put this, if our concern with science was really about learning about reality, as it was for, I would say, some of the early scientists, right? Mm-hmm. Then that might be the case, Jason. But the, I think the reality is our love of science has a twofold thing, uh, twofold character to it. One, it allows us to, to have some understanding, but an understanding that by the very method itself precludes meaning and purpose, mm. right? That is, 
science is really about quantifiable observations and <clears throat> and drawing hypotheses that can be tested without recourse to what the early you know early some of the what Galileo would have thought of as um, formal causes or final causes. Um, and so you have you can kind of develop a statistical picture of reality without ever talking about defining reality or thinking about purpose in reality. So that's one of the things that that's not really a criticism of science, except insofar as science is taken in isolation as the only form of objective knowing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's a fine way of, of objective knowing. I, I think it's perfectly, uh, it, it is objective within its own domain into its own proper sort of scope. Um, but um, uh, on its own, it presents a very incomplete picture but if that's all the picture you get, then you can say, you know what? Yeah, I can do anything because there is no purpose or meaning to anything in reality. It's just about statistical norms and and, and those sorts of things. Uh, the other side of it is that um, uh, to a large degree, our love of science is about power. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Francis Bacon was very clear about this, that the new science was about us creating for ourselves. This is really interesting. Yeah. For ourselves, a new paradise on earth, that we were going to rebuild the Garden of Eden through the power of science uh, and, and do so by torturing nature. Those are his words. Um, and so that's another side of it <laughs> that we need to think about as well, right? That, that, that science, you know, the po poets didn't create the atomic bomb, right? <laughs> um, you know, like it was a bunch of scientists. Yeah, it's an exercise in our kind of self-given God powers, you know? Like, that's right. that's I've right. made myself God and now I will exercise those those God-given right. powers, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah. and create, um, you know, create without any sort of, re like you said, any sort of recourse to, 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 to purpose, to meaning, to even just the, the question should, should we sorry. be doing this? Yeah. Yeah. We can do it, but should we? Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So science doesn't, science, this is the thing, science simply does not address that question. It presupposes, right. Yeah. That there's a value to truth, that, that, that reality is knowable, that reason is reliable, those sorts of things. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's where, you know, uh, as valuable as science is for the exploration of reality, it doesn't give us a complete picture, uh, of reality. And in fact, if you rely on it alone, you end up with not because of science, but because of your decision to only rely on it, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you end up with a distorted picture, one that really precludes or, or, or marginalizes uh, authentic being. Can you maybe draw these, the, the, the past three podcasts where we talked about truth, beauty, and goodness. Today we're talking about uh, authentic being. Can you help maybe draw these two a little bit closer? How can we understand being in a way that uh, um, helps us understand truth, beauty, and goodness maybe a little clearer? Metaphysics is very complicated. Even kind of getting started in metaphysics is very difficult. Yeah. But I would say just a, a, something that anyone should be able to latch on to is whether or not you think meaning and purpose are rooted in reality, right? Mm. Authentic being, right? The being that was known, that's been revealed by God, that has been known by the wise, um, is um, uh, meaningful and purposeful. It has meaning in it. So real being, right? Authentic being, authentic reality is meaningful and purposeful. And that's what grounds, right, goodness, truth, and beauty, right? That there is meaning and purpose written into, woven into the very fabric of reality. Um, uh, and it's sort of whether we like it or not, it's there, right? It's it's sort yeah. of, it's hard and it's solid and we can ignore it. We can jump off of buildings and believe that we can fly, but we're wrong, right? Um, 
And, and, and so how do we ground that? How do we ground the idea, the belief um, that, that reality is meaningful and purposeful? That is, so if you just think about it, Jason, over and over again, whenever you talk, start about meaning and purpose, meaning and purpose, right? Mm-hmm. People instantly start saying, oh, well, that's subjective, right? It's a that's, social uh, construct. Yeah, it's a social construct. You're being poetic. It's mystical, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, just whatever you can do, it's always going to go back to, well, meaning and purpose is just something that we humans invent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, sometimes, like, the humanities, right, yeah. are considered, like, you know, well, those are the subjective disciplines where they talk about that soft stuff, like meaning and purpose, <laughs> as opposed to the hard disciplines that talk about, you know, blowing people up with atomic bombs. Um, but anyways, the, uh, sorry, I got a little animated, there, but the, <laughs> point taken <laughs> all due respect to my colleagues in the science, math and science. Uh, but anyway, so, um, uh, but that, that whole dichotomy is just false, right? Yeah. It's rooted in, uh, the eclipse of authentic being it's rooted in ignorance. Um, so how do we, how do we ground this idea, right? That, I mean, do, first off, do you see how important that, that, that is right? That, that meaning and purpose are embedded in reality. Yeah, because I look at the flip side, and I think this is important for for any of our listeners who are having a conversation with somebody. This is a good starting point for the conversation. Where does the meaning and purpose of something lie? If it, right. if it is in the thing itself, then I cannot change it. You cannot change it. Yeah. If it is rooted in you and your feelings and your experience and however else you want to justify you just choosing to to define something then however i define it is is as equally as true as yours if the meaning and purpose lies in however we define it if it's our projection on it so you know i mean and that should be like the end of the conversation right there if you're talking with somebody and they say well i think the meaning and purpose is this that it's not really in the thing itself. Uh, yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, and I, I hopefully, okay. it'd be, hopefully that wouldn't end the conversation. Hopefully that would pivot the conversation to something fruitful, right? Right, right. I mean, here's right. the thing: is I, like if I'm getting if I'm getting really sort of pugnacious, I'm just going to ask, like, am I a carrot? I'm not yeah. a carrot. Like, I'm just not right. Like, I don't have the chemical composition of a carrot. Yeah, right. I can do things that carrots can't do. <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm hardwired to do those things. I can't beget other carrots. I beget <laughs> homo, homo sapiens, you know, uh, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just, that's reality. That, 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 the meaning there, right. You know, what is Dr. Smith? Well, you, there's lots of things you could say, sure, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Right. But in addition to that, you could say at the most fundamental level, like here's the thing is like a carrot can't actually be a jerk. Right. Right. If it, it would be really weird if I was like, <laughs> we were out to lunch. I was like, man, that carrot is a real jerk. You're like, what's wrong with you? What are you talking about, right? But homo sapiens can be. Human yeah. beings can be a jerk, right? They can also be wise and charitable and good. The meaning of Dr. Smith, right? All of the things that are true about me, being a father, both my virtues and my vices or defects, right? All of those things are rooted in having a certain essence, right? right? And it's really essence that, that grounds the objective definition and meaning. So when we're talking about meaning, what we're talking about is, is the definition of a thing, right? Right. What is it at its most basic metaphysical level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I am uh, um, fundamentally, metaphysically, in my being is a human being. Mm-hmm. Literally, beings written into that word. I'm a homo sapien. I'm not a carrot. I'm not a panther. 
uh, I'm none of those things, right? I am a, uh, a human being, a homo sapien. That, that's what I am by my essence. Right. 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 And, I, and again, this is so important for when we're having a conversation with somebody to ground it in this. Because if you do not, you can move forward and you could be using the exact same language right. of meaning and purpose. But, uh, but have fundamentally different understandings sure. of the, the, the causes, the sources of that meaning and purpose. All right, so you bring up here essence. What is, what is that? Again, let's look at definitions. What is, it, what is the essence? Yeah, essence, um, I mean, if you were to be at a, a philosophy conference with professional philosophers, like one of the dividing, you know, like if you were to divide the room, right, in certain ways, one of the ways of dividing the whole room would be say, who here believes in real essences, right? <laughs> and uh, depending on, on where you are and what conference you attend, uh, you're going to be standing, you know, I'm going to be like, I believe in real essences, and I'm going to be like the only guy in the corner, at least <laughs> you like being three other guys, you know, uh, and everybody else is going to be on the other side of the room. Uh, modern philosophers hate real essences. I don't know. Uh, there's a long, you know, sort of philosophical reason for this. Uh, but um, basically, essence um, consists in the foundational defining properties of a thing, right? Okay. Uh, there's a certain permanence to essence. When we think about the term, if you've ever you know, studied any metaphysics, you've probably heard the term substance, right? Right. We use that term when we talk about the sacraments sometimes, especially when we talk about transubstantiation, right? That which subsists is essence, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's what that's what perdures and continues. So you could say about about myself, right? Uh, you know, I've grown in height and width and weight. Sometimes gone lost some weight. Sometimes gained some weight. Sometimes my beard is longer. Sometimes it's shorter. Uh, I've gained knowledge about some things, et cetera. Right? There's been a lot of things about me that have changed over the years. Mm -hmm. um, but through all of those changes, all of those changes presuppose certain defining properties, namely being a rational animal. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my essence, and my essence has continued on, right? Um, uh, as my, as both what empowers me to have um, the characteristics I have, to develop the actions and habits that I have, to live the life that I have, but it's really that essence that is first and fundamental and grounding up everything about me that changes and develops you can only become a husband like a, a carrot can't become a husband right you can't marry a carrot for crying out loud right yeah. and um and 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 you know only humans can get married right <laughs> right it's only rational animals that can get married uh, that sort of thing does that make sense yeah, yeah, and I don't understand your hatred for carrots, but we'll we'll talk about that some other time. But and I, I love carrots as food, especially <laughs> carrot cake. Oh yeah, I, I think may, maybe this is kind of a, a good way to to look at kind of the. I think the this seems to me to be how kind of the the modern person looks at existence okay. compared to you know reality. Um, that that existence is kind of like these you know uh, like stem cells or something that your existence is kind of just this this blob that you can manipulate to turn into anything yeah um, as opposed to and this is something that metaphysics gets into is that when something exists it exists as something with properties with an essence that sure. essence, you know, gets into the nature of the thing. So mm -hmm. it, it, it has, when something exists, it kind of, or it, it, it has to exist as something. 
Whereas, yes. whereas we kind of, I, I think the, the, the modern understanding is kind of, well, something can exist and, and then, then we just kind of, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the human person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's in some ways how a lot of folks maybe without thinking about it too thoroughly kind right. of draw a distinction between man and nature, mm-hmm. you know, like well, there's the natural world over there. And yeah. It evolves, but really slowly according to this kind of set scientific pattern. Um, uh, whereas man just is self-creating, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, that's idolatrous. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, in addition to that, I think it's kind of rooted in the combination of our pathetic sentimentality and narcissism. Uh, that is, right, what we want to do psychologically and spiritually, right, is say, I don't, I don't want to be restricted. I don't want to be defined. I just want my psyche to dominate everything about myself and my circumstances, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and that's just, that's just, that's, that's mentally unhealthy. Uh, and, and it's, it's both, it's both pathetic and scary. Right? It is. You know? And I think in some people it's more pathetic than us, but here's the thing is, you know, people, we hear so much about the loneliness of human beings, uh, about the loneliness of modern man, uh, his sense of disconnection and so forth. We'll stop thinking this way. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, like the, a lot of this, not all of it. I mean, yeah. I say there are technological and economic aspects of this that I think are important, but an important part of it is just these, these toxic ideas uh, that poison our minds and poison our hearts and make it impossible for people to do anything that's, that's worthwhile, right? Right. Um, uh, uh, in, in any sort of deep sense, right? And that's because we don't recognize that we have a defined being. Right? Mm-hmm. We rebel against that. I, no, you're not going to define me, right? Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre was very good on this. He's an existentialist philosopher, very good on the other side of it. He said, look, uh, that kind of blob existence that you're talking about, you're sort of yeah. self-creating, right? You know, he saw that as, as being freedom, right? This unrestricted self-creation. And he said, look, if there's a God, then essence is prior to existence. Now, I don't want to get into the technicalities here, but what he meant was, there is a definition for man prior to the existence of the individual. Mm. And, and Sartre was dead on right. Okay. Yeah. You cannot have that kind of, the kind of existentialist that he was and be a theist, right? Because as a theist, we think, no, there is meaning and definition written into reality and our individuality that we so are in love with, right? Our own little individual personalities, right? I mean, they're interesting and they're good. Okay. But metaphysically, they're second. Yeah. Right? Yes. But, yes. Uh, it's not that they're not important, but they are dependent upon being a Homo sapien, right? Your individual personality, as wonderful as it is, right, and delightful, uh, is metaphysically dependent. That doesn't mean it's not important. I think it's very important. Yeah. Right? I don't want to be friends with just a uh, a generic Homo sapien. Right. <laughs> right? I want to be friends with individual people so i'm not trying to say individuality is not important but what i am saying is it's metaphysically second yeah and that goes you know kind of what we were saying about kind of what happened in the enlightenment it wasn't it wasn't necessarily now some were completely denying faith but it was the kind of the flipping upside down of taking what is second and putting it in the first place you know putting putting reason and rationality above what god has revealed you know taking that personality and placing it above existence and essence uh, sure you know like you said it, it it come it has to come second because you know if if something if something exists it, it like i said it has to exist 
as something. Otherwise, it would be no thing. It's a, it's a definition. And here's the thing is, uh, just to kind of follow up two little branches here. Uh, one is uh, the opposite of doing what I'm talking about is called, uh, in some ways, it's called nominalism, mm -hmm. right? And this is the view that there are no essences. There are only individuals. There are no universalizable or universal features in reality. There are only individual instances. Mm. Um, you know, some people just find that very romantic and appealing, but it's just false. And besides being false, it sub completely subverts our ability to uh, to define anything, right? Right. To speak meaningfully, to understand, right? Um, so if you if you want to elevate individuality, this is kind of what we do in this weird sort of way. We we elevate individuality to such a degree that essence falls away. And then, then Homo sapien is this kind of a background, unimportant thing, being a rational animal. It's just really me, Ben, and all my wonderful Benness, right? <laughs> uh, and, you know, anybody that's known me knows that, that Benness isn't completely wonderful, right? No individual is completely wonderful, but more importantly, no individual is intelligible without that background, that more foundational Right. Right. Uh, understanding as a rational animal. When I think about my children, of course, I want to think about their individuality. Right. But I want to cultivate their growth in virtue. And that growth in virtue has to do with developing the habits that foster uh, flourishing human life. Right. It, it, it's not the case that we all flourish in completely individualistic, unique ways. Yeah. Right. There is there. So this is difficult. We have to say there's a there's a unity and a, a diversity here, okay? But there is a unity that is yeah. justice, prudence, temperance, uh, fortitude, faith, hope, charity, uh, wisdom. Those are habits, patterns of behavior that bring out the flourishing of the human being, right? For all humans. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whoever you are now. Justice in a particular human might look a little different than in another. Temperance might look a little different, right? Prudence will look a little different, but there's still going to be that 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 core idea of prudence or of charity, right? Um, you know, uh, Saint Louis of France had the love of God burning in his heart, right? As he was going on crusades, mm -hmm. right? That's different than say charity in operation in mother uh, Teresa, right? Does that right. make sense? Right. Absolutely. But it's still the same charity. It has different fruits. Right. Uh, and so when we think about, um, you know, human flourishing, and this is why the issue of essence is so important, right? Is we can't understand human flourishing, human development without understanding that there is an objective meaning to human being. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, then we can sort of think about here are the habits that, uh, and the gifts of the Holy spirit and so forth that actually bring about uh, authentic human flourishing. And, and I think a point of contact for a lot of this is when we look at, like you had said, the modern experience of loneliness or something like that. Sure. The reason why we, we experience a lot of these things, again, like you said, not the only reason, but I think a big reason why is because placed that individuality above that, that existence and reality. Because going back to the principle that we stated in the beginning, that meaning and purpose lies in the thing itself. Right. And so when we do away with that or when we subjugate that to our own feelings or what uh, what society tells us or anything like that, uh, right. then we, we've essentially stripped or, or not 
we don't really strip the thing of it, but we strip our minds of recognizing mm-hmm. the meaning and purpose in things in themselves, including ourselves. So that, right. you know, if, if I live my life and I'm convinced that, oh, well, there's no real meaning and purpose, well, you know what? That becomes a very bad place to be if I'm sad yeah. or depressed. We all sure. get yeah. sad mm-hmm. or depressed at some point, but we sure. recognize meaning, purpose, you know, people always say, you know, I think about my kids, you know, I think about my wife, I think about first, you know, we, we, we can see that meaning and purpose. But when we all of a sudden say, well, that's not real, mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. that, that's just whatever, you know, that's not real. Well, then, you know, on a sad and depressing day, well, I mean, that can <laughs> that can have very serious consequences. Again, when we right. when we lose that that being that understanding of being as primary and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we, we essentially lose that meaning and purpose. The thing itself yeah. doesn't lose the meaning and purpose, but our understanding sure. and our ability to recognize it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We lose the sense of it, um, you know, and to our detriment, it remains there, right? Yeah. Um, but but to our detriment, we we lose it. And you just think about, just you know, to kind of wrap up here, maybe we can do another podcast about purpose because we've talked mo- mostly about meaning. Yeah. That's okay. There's a lot to, to, to talk about here. When you're thinking about essence and all of these issues, right, is it's almost too much of an existential burden to think about, oh, I've got to define myself. Yeah. Oh, right. This is such a problem for modern man. Uh, It's a point I come back to over and over again from uh, one of the novels of Walker Percy, that one of our problems is we have the paralysis of too many possibilities. We have the paralysis of possibilities, what he called it. And so now we're we're even in a situation where, oh, well, what is, like, I need to define myself. No, you don't. Stop it. You're hurting yourself. You're wasting your time. You already have a definition. You're, yeah. you're a rational animal. Go and flourish. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. It's like, don't like take that as your starting point yeah. and then move out from there. And then you don't have the, the burden of trying to define yourself and everything around you. Yeah. And like you said, I think it goes back to that unity and diversity. We understand mm-hmm. that we're all called to be charitable, how that charity is lived out. It's, it's all up to you. And the church has been preaching this for couple thousand years or so uh so dr smith i think you've given our listeners a lot to a lot to think about a lot to contemplate again everything that we talked about and uh in our previous podcast about truth beauty and goodness they're rooted in reality and it's important for us as catholics to to have uh, an intellectual grasp on this so that we can bring others to to understand and to push back against modern culture that seeks to deny or i mean to go so far as you even said, you know, to, to help fight this Luciferian revolt uh, uh, against being, you know, not to be over dramatic or anything, but to really push back and say, no, God created the world with meaning and purpose and uh, with order. And it's our job to, to work within this order. And that is how we'll lead lives of real human flourishing and with God's grace and sanctity. Uh, so until next time. Check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. God bless.